Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello there, and welcome to the Untitled Film Podcast. He's back. Callum and Johnny. I'm back. Uh, back in the land of the UK. Back in the saddle. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I have been away, for those that didn't know. Uh, I am Johnny, and this is Callum. It is indeed. I don't think I say, got to say that. Uh, and while I was away, I took some photos, some of which we've put up on the Instagram of a very famous filming location and I have some more to go up next week of another famous filming location but I'll tease that now so you can look on the Instagram he treats us so well folks but I put pictures of Petra in Jordan I forget where I was then Um, (laughs) and there are a couple of very famous filming locations in Petra so Petra for those who don't know is a big um, how would I describe it? A it's monastery? So, part no, well, there is a monastery there. So there's the first bit, the, the probably the most famous bit is the tr- called the treasury. And what was the treasury? It was a bank, effectively. Uh, and then there's the monastery, which is up the top of a fucking massive hill. Uh, it's a thousand steps in 36 degree heat. Um, it was, I, I walked uh, 23 kilometers that day. Okay. Um, so, and basically, it's a massive site and it used to be, um, a certain tribe lived there um, and they used to build houses effectively in the mountainsides um, and there's been different civilizations and different kind of groups of people that have lived there over time um, people that most recently lived there until not that long ago they've kind of now live in a little village um, nearby um, still there they they call them the jack sparrows of petra the men because they wear this kind of black eyeliner and have like quite matted hair. Oh, cool. And they still run a lot of the kind of like the little cafes and um, like food stalls and donkey rides and all that kind of stuff there. Um, but yeah, they, uh, but they basically, it's a lot of 
it was a civil, almost like a, a whole kind of like giant city civilization of people that lived there. Um, and they were incredibly smart. They So the first bit that you kind of walk in when you walk down, um, there was this kind of natural um, stream that was kind of cut by the water into... Um, into the side of the mountain. It's really beautiful. But what they did was they went through and then they dug it out so it was walkable. So then they kind of made this walkway and you kind of walk through these crazy rocks and then you appear at this this giant, the treasury, uh, which is then, again, uh, a building that's just carved into the side of a mountain. Um, and they've been used in lots of films over the years, including um, probably the most famously in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's also one of the locations for one of the Transformers movies. It is, yeah. Um, they filmed a couple of different places in in Jordan, actually, for different various Transformers movies. Um, and there's there's been other films filmed there over the years as well, but that, that probably raised the Lost Ark is the most famous. It's certainly so. the uh, biggie. And it's also the inspiration, I believe, for one of the Assassin's Creed games. Yeah, yeah. It is, it is incredible. Uh, it's like nothing I've ever seen before, and I've seen quite a few things. It's one of the seven new wonders of the world. So you get the seven old Main wonders of the world. And this is like uh, the next exist. list on. Yeah, so this is the newer ones. This is Taj Mahal and um, Christ the Redeemer and Machu Picchu um, and Petra and things, so a bit more modern stuff. But yeah, no, absolutely incredible. Um but yeah, there will be another another thing that I'm teasing from Jordan for next week. Um, with these pictures, Callum, there was a question asked. And what was that question? Yes. Um, with the last time that we uh, asked people um, a similar question is the last time that you went to a famous filming location. And so I thought, do it again. We'll ask people, what are some of your favorite filming locations? Some of the biggies, one of the um, ones that you really love. Um, so uh, an example that I have close to mind is uh, Chand Bowery in India. Do you know that what that is? Chand Bowery. Name means a bell, but I can't think. It's in Rajasthan. It's the crisscrossing step wall. Uh, it's, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, the, the step wells. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, it was influenced, it influenced um, the scene in The Dark Knight, although that isn't the actual location. Uh, it's also in The Fall, that uh, really luscious movie uh, made by um, um, Marsam Singh, I believe his name is. And um, it's just incredible. It, it, it spans forever. And it's just like these crisscrossing stone steps. And it's, it's really uh, quite breathtaking to see. Yeah, I've seen a few of those step wells in various places around the world, and they are incredibly beautiful. Um, they're normally a way to go and kind of uh, for people to... Normally, they're, they're for various religious reasons for washing, but they're not always. Sometimes they're just for for, for washing. And the idea is you can step down and get towards the water in areas where there's not necessarily lots of water. Indeed. And do you have a uh, filming location in mind? Yeah, so I'm going to do something a bit closer to home. I'm going to do the Barbican in London. Uh, so for those that don't know what the Barbican is, it's this giant complex of um, kind of brutalist architecture. It's really quite beautiful. Um, and over the years, absolutely tons of stuff have been filmed there. To name a few, the more recent Sherlock movies, Quantum of Solace, Rock and Roller, Johnny English, um, The Professionals, Day of the Triffids remake from 2009, uh, The Good Die Young from 1954. Yeah, loads, loads of things have been filmed there. Really interesting location. I kind of quite there's a quite a few areas in London, quite interesting, uh, kind of brutalist architecture, like the kind of stuff that was used in filming um, Clockwork Orange and things as well, which I, I quite enjoy. Lovely stuff. 
Um, speaking of the socials, and just to plug those, it's Untitled Film Podcast on Facebook, on Instagram. There's also a YouTube channel. Um, last week, we uh, um, did a, what, our first loose fit episode where we just had a bit of a, a natter. And we talked about what is the deal with Marvel Studios? It's not Mar and it's not Val. Uh, that's a Jerry Seinfeld reference. Um, and uh, we had a little bit of activity. Our friend Howard uh, posted, um, he just said, I need to listen when I'm back from Italy. He just went away. Uh, to add opinion without having heard yours yet, I'm okay with a long, 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 long series of films that must be watched in order to understand, but now have to watch an entire uh, TV show as well. I don't have the time for that. I don't want to do homework to enjoy a film. And I said, that's exactly what we said. It is like homework. So thank you, Howard. And thank you for the very sarcastic uh, response. <laughs> Love a bit of English sarcasm. I also had a private message from someone uh, about our, our last episode as well. Um, Johnny Wallace, from who lives in Australia uh, currently, he used to do another podcast with me about a different subject. So we won't, if those that remember the early days of this, when I would kept wanting to, to call this podcast the wrong name. Uh, that was Two right. Johnnies. Two Johnnies, yeah. Uh, he messaged me to say, very different take, and I can kind of see where he's coming from, um, to say that actually the, effectively, the Infinity Saga stuff is, um, was kind of not very close to the comic books and, and kind of actually the stuff that's coming out more recently has a better stab at kind of getting the comic books right. Uh, and f Although they may not be better kind of, movies as such actually they might pay more serve, kind of fan service and be less kind of cookie cutter and, and bland basically that's very i haven't got i haven't got his full thing in front of me but that's sure. uh um what's the word i'm looking for that's kind of a, a cliff notes of it but i can kind of see that yeah it's, well. it's good to have uh contrasting opinions that's what we like we like to have Difference of opinions. We always say that the best episodes are the ones where we have a bit of a falling out over two <laughs> kind of varying opinions. Absolutely, yeah. I think if everyone agrees with everyone all the time, it'd be very boring. It yes. might be chill it, relaxing, but boring. <laughs> <laughs> you don't really watch a film where people just sit around and have a cup of tea and talk about the weather, do you? So, well, quite. Um, Unless you're watching an English film. <laughs> <laughs> that was my bimch, if you didn't hear it. What is the deal with English films? Maybe that's the next one. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> anyway, um, on to the news. I think we've both got quite short amounts of news today because of good old rider strike. Yep, bloody old strikes. It's uh, killing it all. Uh, do you want to go first? Yeah, go on then. Um, so, something that I've kind of been looking forward to for a while, and finally there is a trailer for is the sequel to Chicken Run. So those that don't know, I'm sure pretty much everyone knows, um, Chicken Run was a animated feature film uh, made by Arb, and I think it came out about 2000, was it 2001? 2000 or 2001, yeah. Yeah, that kind of time. Um, and it's effectively about a group of chickens doing the great escape, um, escaping a chicken farm before they get turned into a chicken pie. Uh, and it was... It kind of showcased all the things that Arbman had done amazingly in short animations with Wallace and Gromit and things previously um, in a long form factor. Um, and it was absolutely excellent. I think it was the first thing they did with DreamWorks, which kind of then melted a bit as they decided to go from their stop motion, which is 
genius into uh, CGI, which kind of defeated the point of Hardman. But there we go. Um, but there, Chicken Run Dawn of the Nugget is now coming out, which I think is going straight to Netflix, I think I'm right in saying. Yes, you are. Yes, um, and, um, it's got a mostly new cast, I believe. Yeah, and that's what I was about to say. It has got a mostly new cast. Um, I kind of get it with Mel Gibson. Um, oh, obviously, anti-Semitism, not ideal. Uh, even if some of Hollywood has, um, has, uh, has kind of forgiven him. But they've recast a lot of the other characters, um, which I don't necessarily... It's been accused of ageism from the original woman that played Ginger said that she said they told her that she sounded too old. Too old, yeah. So they cast, um, I forget the name of the actress, um, but she's quite a bit more famous, who's around the same age as her. So that can't be the real reason. I think they must have fumbled and given her a bit of a false excuse. I think they wanted a slightly more bankable name. Um, I am blanking on the name. That's terrible. Um, yeah, but then uh, I kind of feel like they've changed some of the other names they have, out. For, no, they have. For, for uh, so, um, Timothy but, Spall is now Ramesh Ranganathan. Ranganathan, which who you know I love, and you know is, yeah. is interesting. But, but he's not the equal of Timothy Spall. No, and I also think internationally Timothy Spall is surely bigger. oh much more, much more. But then also they kept Miranda Richardson as Miss Tweedy, again iconic, and glad they yeah. kept her. But why have they changed some of the other people? I just I think there's a uh, rumor is is that they wanted to deflect a bit from. Recasting Mel. Mel Gibson. Well, that would be my. That was probably my first guess. For um, fairness, this way, any kind of criticisms of it's the woke media gone mad. This way, people can sort of go, "Why have they recast her? Why have they recast him?" But then, why not just recast everyone then? Well, exactly. And and uh, wasn't Amelda Stanton was Bunty before, so she stayed she the same. Also, the person that, David Bradley um, um, recast. Mel Gibson with is Zachary Quinto, who at the yes. time was unproblematic, but during no, the run-up... No, it's Zachary Levy. Oh, Levy, sorry. Yes, no, you're right, sorry. Um, who at the time was unproblematic, but during the production of the uh, advertisement of Shazam 2 went absolutely bonkers, COVID conspiracies. He's um, he's notably against the actors' strike. So uh, um, dream uh, Ardman lads must be going, oh, shut up, Zach. We, this is why we recast Mel Gibson. Mm. I know. Although arguably not as bad as I mean, he hasn't said anything. Well, Zachary Levi, I believe, is Jewish. So he hasn't said anything about, uh, about Jewish people or any other minority. Uh, that's that's the start isn't it yeah that's the bottom that's the floor but the trailer looks interesting um it's one of those things is it a film that needed a sequel probably not but actually every time that Ardman have done a sequel to one of their shows i feel like they get better slowly get better and better so it could be incredibly good but i yeah i'm a bit bit unsure about some of the recasting but we'll see i think i'm quite interested with it uh, I think it's coming out quite near Christmas as well, and they're quite anything. Arben's quite Christmassy for me because I feel like they used to always release um, the, the original the Wallace, Wallace and Gromit's at Christmas, yeah. like it, Boxing Day and stuff. So I quite, yeah, quite like that. It's going to be a bit of a trailer news session. Um, yeah. How excited are you for Spy Kids seven or six? The question, I suppose, <laughs> that I need to ask with that is: Rodriguez still directing it? I mean, I'm not very. I haven't watched them since about Sky. Well, Sky exactly. Kids 2, um, but there is it's a new interesting Spy Kids movie. Directing it. it looks exactly how you would imagine a Spy Kids film, especially as they get cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. It's no longer Joel McHale who replaced the dad the last time. It's now again that 
rascal Zachary Levi. And um, he's everywhere. He is everywhere. And um, it looks not particularly good, but I needed a news article. But it does have a moment where they fight skeletons, and it's a clear reference to um, Jason and the Argonauts, and they look like they've been animated to look stop motion. So that's kind of fun. I feel like Rodriguez has had quite a weird career of late because he kind of just has disappeared into these Spy Kids movies and doesn't really seem to do much else anymore. I'm sure he's counting his his paychecks, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because the first couple were, were kind of fun. They're ridiculously good. fun, yeah. yeah they were yeah, they're, they're lovely, like perfect kids, kids movies. You have Antonio um, Banderas playing a Latin lover father. Yeah, and was it the second one or was it the first one that had... Um, what was his name? Scottish actor. Oh uh, yes, Alan Cumming. Alan Cumming as the the bad guy, and he yeah. was bloody great. He is. Yeah. Um, I just yeah, we do like Alan Cumming. I, it's a great broad city like whole episode where they end up like following Alan Cummings to brunch and it being like the best day of their lives. <laughs> um, just a little plug broad city there. <laughs> Always. But yeah, I, I think have, you've got another trailer you were going to talk um, about as well. It's um, a, a Spanish TV show that's coming out on Hulu in America and. Presumably that means Disney Plus here because we get a lot of Hulu's cast-offs. It's called Nada, and it's been pipped as Kirby Enthusiasm in Spain. It has a kind of arch Woody Allen-esque, uh, Kirby Enthusiasm-esque uh, tone. real get is that Robert De Niro comes in, not to play himself, but to play his mate in the last episode. And the whole trailer is built around Robert De Niro in one episode which mm. it shows much confidence in the rest of the show. It's <laughs> very amusing. It has a very European feel, like uh, Robert De Niro eating a bit of pie and saying, holy shit, this is sublime. And the waitress going, what did he say? And him, he says, he said it's shit. It's not very nice. Like, oh, that's kind of amusing. I've kind of got a chuckle out of that. Um, we shall see. <laughs> I feel like you've really scraped the barrel for the news with those two. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> anyway, I think that takes us on to our movies of the week. And Callum, what are we what have we been watching this week? Bit of a diverse group. I mean, they're linked to the fact that um, they're both crime movies, but yeah. with two completely different tones and two completely different everything else. But we did say we wanted to start playing this thing a bit looser to have fun. Uh, I, also so thought, I also thought Kick-Ass Women yeah, yeah, kick-ass women. Yeah, that's you know, <laughs> you know we scrape in the barrel, but yeah. <laughs> so the first is Queen Pins uh, from directors uh, Aaron Gorday and uh, Gita Pulipilli. And what have they done before? Not much, not much. Um, but Aaron Pulley, uh, sorry, Alan Gorday. After this, did an episode of Little America, which is an all right TV show. <laughs> wow. uh, but before this, this is their first movie in about seven or eight years. Uh, but they seem to be a husband and wife director pair, which uh, oh. you don't see very often. And it's quite nice. They seem like a good group. And uh, we're pairing that with um, Sicario from Denis Villeneuve and writer Taylor Sheridan, who are right now massive, but this was made just as they were still on the ascent. Yeah. So that's going to be interesting to talk about. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, both crime thrillers, one comedy, one drama. Let you guess which one is which. Yeah. <laughs> so which one do you, which would you uh, like I, to I describe? Take a stab at um, Queen Pins. Go for it. So uh, this is uh, about a pair of housewives played by Kristen Bell and um, a woman, an actress who just goes by the first name of Kirby. Uh, they're both dissatisfied. They're both living a kind of cookie cutter suburban lifestyle the film opens with that cliche of cliche 
uh, house being raided, um, <laughs> police point guns everywhere. And Which it stops. arguably, so does Cario. Well, yeah, uh, it stops and it goes, yep, that's me. Bet you're wondering how we got here. <laughs> it doesn't seem to be playing it ironically at all. Uh, and then it goes through how they got there. And it s- seems that um, they're both obsessed with coupons. It's kind of a very American suburban housewife sort of cliches that they're uh, cutting out coupons. And then they realize that they stumble into this scheme where they can sell coupons that they get printed in Mexico for ridiculous deals that don't exist but look convincing enough. And they realize that they can launder a lot of money through this. Well, the, the deals do exist. Oh, they do exist. They're just extorting the Yeah, value they're just basically the, stealing them. So there's the, like the, the coupons. loads more than there's meant to be. And uh, that introduces the, uh, the third lead of the movie, this um, very uh, well-meaning but kind of bit of a lame guy. He's uh, called Ken. He's played by Paul Waterhauser. And he's kind of like a basically a mall cop, sort of, you know, barely above a mall cop, where like if you have an expired coupon that's like a day over, he'll bust you for it. And he stumbles into this plot and tries to take it further up to the FBI. And uh, Johnny, what did you think of um, Queen Pins? Yes, right. And I think that's the only time you probably said that without trying to take the piss. Yeah, I think it is exactly um, all right. It's it's an interesting one because it has, if not all star, a very good, well acted cast, in my opinion. Um, there's a lot of I, I've always liked Kirsten Bell. Um, I Paul Waterhauser is is pretty big these days. Like he's done a lot of what was the one about the, the um, uh, not the marathon bombing, the other bombing one. Yes. The Clint um, Eastwood one. He's also rumoured to be the cast in uh, Quentin Tarantino's next film, but the film critic as the film critic. But that's mm-hmm. just a rumour at this point. So I didn't, I was going to use it as news, but I didn't want to, I wanted to have it verified. Um, and then you've also got Joel McHale, who I'm a big fan of. Um, who's the FBI agent as well? Is someone else... Uh, it's Vince Vaughn, yeah, Vince Vaughn, which is a bit rogue, but he, I quite enjoyed him. Um, yeah, it, it, it kind of works. It's it's very standard, isn't it? I think that's I think that's what I w- would say. Like, if you wanted to go right, <laughs> here's an American crime film about like a slightly funny crime that's played a bit for laughs. We'll get a half decent cast in. We'll do a half decent script. There's five belly chuckles in it. So it passes the five laugh test, the Komodo five laugh test. Um, and it kind of takes up an hour and 35, 40 minutes of your time in a convincing way. Um, there's no flair in any way to it. It's not like very cleverly shot or nothing particularly interesting happens. You can predict the beginning to the end pretty much from the first two minutes of the film. But it's it's we, if we said before it's one of those kind of Sunday afternoon movies. I think it's perfectly serviceable for that. You know, it's it's free on Amazon Prime. So if you're scrolling one day and you can't find something, it's this that kind of movie. Like, yeah, this will fill some time. Or if you're on an aeroplane, you're trying to fill a bit of time. Yeah, um, yeah. Much. What did you think? No, pretty much. Um, <laughs> I did watch a video by a video essay recently that said that movies don't really exist anymore. Only content exists. And there is something fairly cynical about this type of movie, which is made. You know that person from a sitcom. You know that person's comedy adjacent as well. 
that person, also sitcom. It's like, well, why don't we just make movies that are kind of like sitcoms or YouTube videos? It just kind of is. And the fact that it opens with, yep, that's me. I bet you're wondering how I got here. And it is. I mean, it's, you're not wrong. Um, it is five good laughs or so. Um, Paul Waterhauser easily walks away with the film. He's well, first yeah, he's the he most does. entertaining character as this nervy sort of, um, you know, anxiety riddled guy who's obsessed with busting people who, you know, like a step off the grass kind of more cop kind of character. That's kind of funny. I feel like the, the directors must have like just really enjoyed playing with him and his kind of skills. Yeah. Like they really kind of, him they got and, to do like the kind of gross out shots of weird kind of camera angles. There and is stuff a with gross long running gag about how he has to take a shit at a very specific time of the day. Otherwise he'll shit himself. That, <laughs> I didn't like that at all, but I liked him and I liked the character and him and Vince Vaughn sort of walked away with the film. Yeah. Um, it's based on a true life crime, which is a lot more interesting as a documentary apparently, but I did, I read up on it and I kind of wish they played it a bit straighter, but I'm sure these things, due to life rights and and uh, real people being involved, they couldn't, you know, they had to fictionalize it somewhat. It's fine. It's a sitcom. If you've ever watched an episode of New Girl or uh, 30 Rock or, or really any moderately entertaining sitcom that you've ever seen in your life ever, especially the ones with this cast, you'll probably think this is all right. There's nothing about it. Yeah. that's offensive if you like the good place you'll probably yeah. like this i mean the worst thing about it is the cynical kind of movie making behind it that just regurgitating simply shot films that you can shoot in california on a weekend because they know that Kristen bell is free from doing uh dax shepherd's podcast that week and it's like who's free let's bang them together let's get the sitcom group yeah put it on amazon fish bash bosh there's your money it's fine it's serviceable you're not going to you're not going to hate it, but you're not going to remember it either. Um, I wish they told the true crime story. I think that would have been a lot more interesting, but I'm sure there were complications around that. And I'm sure the movie that was pitched to these directors who haven't made a film in about seven or eight years was, hey, you're cheap. You want to make a sitcom that's 90 minutes instead of 30 minutes? Yeah, we want to make a movie. Sure, why not? With Kristen yeah. Bell. Yeah. Oh, I'm game. Yeah, we've got a $12.5 million budget. Yeah, perfect. Um, yeah, it's nothing about it that's you know, you're not going to hate it, but there, there are a lot worse things. You can I think do. it's one of those things. It's so benign. You, it would be hard to hate. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what but, is there to hate here? It's possibly amusing. And uh, what I'm more can you ask for? You like the whole cast. You've seen them in something. You like everyone here. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing particularly right with it. There's nothing wrong with it either. Yeah. Well, that was exciting. I think that's it. I think that's <laughs> yeah. about as exciting as the movie. That review. Yeah. I think we talked about the news for longer than that. <laughs> <laughs> but we did gain some time back because we spoke quite a lot at the start. There was, so. a, there was a lot to speak about up front. That is true. Absolutely. I think that brings us nicely to an advertisement break. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and I'd welcome back to the... Oh, hey. I see what you did there. Hey. And Rob, What's can you cut it out, please? Rob, can you cut all this out, please? This yeah, they're not cool and they're not pop. Unacceptable. Anyway, on to our second movie, our, our old movie from that long time ago of 2015. <laughs> Which, to be fair, Denise, uh, Denise Villeneuve, Villeneuve, have you really say his name? Um, I always want to say Villeneuve because there's Formula One Canadian Formula One driver whose surname's Villeneuve. I believe he doesn't pronounce the kind of V-E at the end, but I could be wrong because I have heard it, Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. Anyway. Um, it's, it's not his direct to debut, I don't think, but it was pretty much his first one where they gave him a budget of over 50p. Uh, yeah, so he made Prisoners first in 2013, which was... What was that budget? Uh, probably, I would imagine it's got the one with Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal, so 20-ish million. I'm this is a 30 20, million. 30. This is a 30 million. Um, and effectively, this movie is about drugs. No, it's about the cartel wars in... Um, in I've forgotten the name of the city now, which is really bad, because I was... We're going to remember this. It's one of the border cities between um, Mexico and the US. The film starts off with two um, law enforcement agents raiding a house. And as they go into the house, they first realize that the walls are full. They were first going looking for some hostages, but they realize that the walls are full of dead bodies of people that have been slain by this cartel. And as the police start looking around the property, a bomb goes off and kills two members of this team. So then this group of people turn up and they're having a meeting and uh, Daniel Kaluuya and uh, Emily Blunt are sat outside. I've I've (laughs) I've just realised that I haven't explained that they're probably the two main people in this police unit. This is not just... uh, or just randomly the, passing by. Yeah, not just like chillaxing out, you know. Um, anyway, uh, and then they're called into this meeting. Well, first of Emily Blunt is called into this meeting and is told, we want you to come and work with us to get these guys that did this. Um, and the guys that are there are Benicio Del Toro and Josh Brolin and some other people. They're not as important. Um, and so they go... First off, she goes into a mission uh, over to the Mexican border and she's like, hang on, something doesn't seem right about this. We're not meant to be operating in Mexico. And they go and they effectively kidnap a member of the the gang uh, and drive them back over the US border, um, at which point she starts to realise these guys might be something more than just some, some bigwigs from the army. Callum, what did you think? There are a couple of things, I think, that hold it back from being a minor masterpiece. But um, as it is, it's very strong. Uh, as you said uh, right up top, uh, this is, it's not uh, Denis Villeneuve's um, first film, but it's his, only his second studio film. And he'd made a couple of indies, a couple of films in Canada, 
um, before this, but uh, this was only his second sort of uh, budget film. So he was still a director on the ascent. He's not at the point where he is now, where he's sort of like a, the guy who every college film buff you know, has a poster of uh, Dune on their wall. But yeah. he, this is the film that was the big calling card. But it's not just him, of course, because the, the screenplay is written by... Some would argue that Arrival was his real arrival hey! on the scene. <laughs> uh, but this was certainly among the uh, kind of two or three that sort of did it. And um, it's not just him. The screenwriter is Taylor Sh- Sheridan, who, again, this is probably his second or third film. And he is another rising star who now, because of uh, TV shows like Yellowstone being the most watched TV shows at the moment, and in many, 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 many spin-offs. Both of those these guys will become huge and game changers, but at the moment they're still cutting their teeth. And it's interesting to see where the things that we'd expect from Denis Villeneuve uh, and Taylor Sheridan come. Um, uh, so obsession with cartel and drug money—that's a very Taylor Sheridan thing. About shady lawmen who, yeah, they're shady, but by gum they get the job done. Um, and uh, Denis Villeneuve, how he likes to use uh, shadow in his cinematography quite a lot, um, how they both are very spare and lean filmmakers. Um, Denis, in his filmmaking style, there's not a lot of flash, um, but it's all, very, it's, it's all very manicured, it's all very precise, his camera work. And Taylor Sheridan, his dialogue is spare to the point where people often just grunt at each other, and that's the dialogue. And uh, this is probably, I'm, I'm not going to say necessarily it's the best of either of their work, but it is a big flag. Like, look what you, if you get, give these guys uh, $30 million, they'll come away with something pretty golden. Uh, I really like how spare and sparse it is. Although that's also, it's sometimes it's flaw. I found myself, you know, when they're sitting on the side of a road, looking at a desert for a few minutes, grunting at each other, I found myself going, this scene I could use with something I, I, I'm not a dumb person but I could do with something blowing up or someone getting shot right now if, if I'm being honest I want to see a, just a little bit more pep sometimes it was a little bit sparse to the point of you know being steely or uh, removed and I know it has to be to an extent but I think sometimes they overplayed that a bit um but generally speaking I think the sex that I think uh um, Daniel Kaluuya and um, Emily Blunt as the leads, effectively, or the, at least the protagonists. I might not say leads, but as the um, kind of more golden characters are very good. They're very altruistic. Um, Emily Blunt has to do a lot with uh, dueling sort of um, loyalties. And then you have the kind of more fun chewing, uh, we get something really nasty to do. But is it nasty? By gum, they get the job done. Uh, Taylor Sheridan become a recurring theme uh, of Josh Brolin and Benicio del Toro, and it doesn't surprise me that when the sequel came along, which is directed both directed by uh, Taylor and written by Taylor Sheridan, um, it, Emily is gone, and it's just uh, the two lads. Because you can imagine a kind of a cinema full of um, kind of twenty-something film buff, uh, bearded um, college students going, "Yeah, they get the job done." And there's a lot to admire here. A uh, few minorest of minor niggles, but um, nothing really to write home about. But Johnny, what's uh, your take on this whole thing? Yeah, I think I agree with most of what you said. I think it is well-constructed, a nice tight script. Um, this, this starts to be the first of that kind of Villeneuve flair in there. 
um, with things kind of, there's some, some nice shots with sunsets in the background and um, the soundtrack works really well for it. Um, it's it's very thrilling. It's very intense. You're trying to kind of trying to undo the puzzle of what all these guys, you know, what these people are thinking. Uh, you're very much kind of in the seat of um, of uh, the kind of the Emily Blunt character as a protagonist, where you're like, do you trust these guys? Do you not trust these guys? Do they are they getting the job done or are they, you know, crossing a line and and things? Um, I do think there's a few bits that like with you that don't necessarily work and um i think there's a few bits where maybe it does show too much and maybe stray us slightly um from the story it's trying to tell and i think the other thing is in a lot of ways it tries to be quite realistic um but i think it kind of splits away from that at times um i don't think it feels quite as good a film that came out about a similar time was end of watch i don't know if you remember that oh i do yeah like- um and i kind of felt like that felt a little bit more realistic and a bit more intense because it felt a bit more realistic um so i can't help but think in a way i, I kind of preferred that from a scripting point of view although i think overall the acting and the direction of this is slightly better um but no i think it's a really tight movie i think it's well worth a watch um i haven't seen the sequel i don't know if you have um uh, no i haven't i've only seen um trailers and stuff but no i think it, it's slick and you can see you know the first time these people were given a bit of a budget um the only thing a couple of things i would say so the, the i remember the name of the city it's, it's uh, juarez um which is a border city with the US um, and about 2010 I think probably when they started producing this film I think it had the second highest murder rate in the world uh, or certainly it did at, at one point but actually by the time the film had come out uh, it started to to really chill out and and it's actually massively moved forward from a safety point of view since then um, and at the time the, the kind of mayor boycotted it and I kind of think that's maybe something I've got a slight issue with the the film. In one minute, it tries to be quite realistic and kind of almost try and, um, you know, use real places, use real names, use real situations and scenarios. And then in the next minute, they they go a bit more um, fanciful and a bit more like rogue and a bit more for OTT. And I kind of think there's a certain level of, I don't know. I think it needed to maybe go more, either stay more realistic or it needed to pick a lane. And I think that's something I've got a slight issue with too. But... Are you uh, referring to the scene with John Burnfall? Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the parts, but that's yeah. the particular bit that really stood out. as like, it didn't necessarily work for me. Um, yeah, I'm with you there, I think. Yeah, I, I don't quite understand what was going on with that. <laughs> I think uh, you're right. Uh, it does seem every so often uh, um, they, they're either trying to, like you say, pick a lane because uh, the John Burnfall scene almost comes out almost like a scripting note. It's like, um, bloody hell, it's been 20 minutes. Nothing's blown up. Have something yeah. happened to her? John Burnfall, he plays lots of dark characters. He's good. Stick in that John Burnfall. He'll like him, yeah. He'll, he'll do something nasty. Again, not wanting to give spoilers, but there's a scene with a drug lord at the end, which I also thought was a bit much. But... Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's sometimes, is it Breaking Bad or is it a documentary? You know, where, yeah, where I think are that's we? It. I think that's where it's not kind of, I think that's my biggest issue with it. It did feel a bit 
tonally all over the place. Something that one minute tries to feel almost like a documentary or something, you know, picking on someone's real life. And then the next minute kind of veers off into Breaking Bad, kind of Danny Trio's head on a tortoise territory. Yes, Um, I think you're right. But yeah, overall, it was really enjoyable. I really like it. In a way, that's just kind of nitpicking. Oh, it Um, is. I I still like um, really got into it. But yeah, if I had like one kind of main thing that I didn't like about it, that's, that's probably it. Um, yeah, I just yeah, think, it, but... I think um, I'm in a similar boat to you. I think uh, uh, it, sometimes I've felt myself thinking, like I think uh, it, the contrasting styles made them stick out a bit more. So I did find myself thinking when Daniel Kaluuya and Emily Blunt are just sort of nodding at each other, not saying anything, and like I could actually nod off here for a bit mm. um, and not feel like I've lost anything. Um, so you know, are they playing it like a documentary or? Or is John Burnfall going to come up or is something going to blow up or, you know, something is going to go off? You know, I'm waiting for something, I feel like. It just feels like the scene is killing time. Mm. Yeah. But overall, really liked it. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Cool. I think that probably brings us to the end of today's episode then. I think so. So, Callum. Queen pins. What are your final thoughts? Uh, I'm tempted to give it a four, just because I can't really remember anything about it. But I think because of a few belly laughs and a few and Paul Waterhouse, I think go on then have your five. I mean, you are a four point five, really, but you don't do that here. So you've scraped your five. Now fuck off. That was funny you saying about that. Um, I don't really remember much about it. I watched this a couple of weeks back. I watched it before Callum did. I really don't remember that much of it. And I was like trying to remember bits. And then as we were talking about it, I was kind of reminding myself, oh yeah, I remember that bit happened. I remember that bit happened. Um, Yeah. And and I think again, Paul Waterhouse really kind of elevates it from a three or four out of 10 to a five out of 10. So I'm going to agree with you on that one. Take your five out of 10 and back off. Why have you gone Cockney? I don't know. You're allowed to do voices. Why can't I? Yeah, but I'm fun. (laughs) yeah sure you you just spoil things uh i do um anyway and uh sicario Uh, i think probably an eight it's lean it's lean it's mean um and uh it's slickly made it shows the powers of these two filmmakers who uh, within a film or two of making this will show really what they can do but this is kind of almost the studio mandated adult drama that they had to get through almost like um uh, christopher nolan making um insomnia or something like that you know it's very much a studio film but it's more on the intelligent side of studio and you can tell that once the directors get through and and the writer too taylor and denis once they get through making this they can really make what they want to make and you can see the powers that will be just after this but you can see it all on display here just in a slightly more uh, new neutered package um there's a few niggles here and there but nothing really to write home about i think an eight out of ten is the score fair enough um i think i have more problem with it being a little bit tonally all over the place and as i say i like the acting i like the direction i like the overall kind of suspensefulness of the film but i do think it's tonally all over the place and i do think because of that it either feels a little bit too long or a little bit boring in parts. And I also kind of found myself nodding at points. And for that reason, I'm going to give it a seven. Um, I, well, I, I, in some, if, if I was on, 
on the right day, I could give it an eight. It's kind of like on the bubble. But um, I do think, I think tonally the script, there is some problems with it. So yeah, a seven. I think both of these films are quite bubble films. They seem to be rising two scores. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that means we have given, I think, in some ways, quite a generous score yeah. to Queen Pins of five. So if it's Sunday and you're hungover and you just want something for 90 minutes to put in the background and you like Kirsten Bell and you like um, Vince Vaughan. Kirsten and... or is it Kristen? I can never, can never remember. I'm not sure. Let's call the whole thing off. But anyway, um, then watch it. And Sicario, if you haven't seen it, well worth a watch. It's available on about three different streaming services for free, uh, including Netflix. So go and have a little watch. If you're a college student, if you're if it's, it's September now, so there might be a bunch listening, I don't know, um, you'll probably give it a 10. Because you. let's be honest, if you're a film studies student and you... Um, you you absolutely adore Denis Villeneuve and probably Taylor Sheridan. You're going to say, oh my God, it's OMG, it's the best movie ever. I've just discovered this great director, guys. Have you heard of him? He's called Denis Villeneuve. Absolutely. <laughs> anyway, I think that is the perfect time to wrap up this episode. So thanks everyone for listening again and we will be back next week. Uh, don't forget to go on the socials which are Callum Untitled Film Podcast on Instagram Facebook and uh, YouTube too watch out for some new photos this week and a question and uh, please interact with us we really enjoy it we do so thanks very much guys and bye 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 I'd buy that for a coupon. <laughs>